Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Penny Pierce. Penny is a gifted clairvoyant empath and visionary and one of the pioneers in the intuition development movement. She's a popular author, lecturer, counselor, and trainer specializing in intuition development. Skillful perception is what she calls it in dream work. She has worked throughout the U.S., Japan, South Africa, and Europe since 1977 as a coach to business executives, coaches, psychologists, scientists, and those on the spiritual path. She's the author of The Intuitive Way and Frequency, and today we're going to discuss her new book, Leap of Perception, The Transforming Power of Your Attention. This completes her Transformation Trilogy, and we're really looking forward to hearing about it, Penny. So welcome. Thank you so much. It's good to be back. Penny, you have such a down-to-earth way of presenting complex scientific and metaphysical concepts. I think we're going to have a lot of fun this hour. So tell me, what took you down this path in the first place? It was a very gradual development. It just grew, one thing grew out of the the previous one and then the next and the next. I started as a graphic designer and corporate art director, and I think that was a way of opening intuition without really realizing I was doing it. You know, designing a logo for someone, you had to read them. Um, and and then I, I ended up just bit by bit getting drawn more and more into the mysteries. I had always been interested in the unknown and even psychic things as a, a child, but I didn't think I could do it until I got to Northern California and realized they had classes in clairvoyance development. And um, so I thought, well, you know, I was an, a, a visual person anyway, so I took those classes and was really good at it. Mm. And then that became so fascinating, then I just shifted out of design and, and went right straight into metaphysics and I guess character reading is what you would call it. But um, And then it just developed bit by bit by bit. So it still is. <laughs> Did you have any experience as a child growing up that would have given you an inkling that you had these talents in that direction? Actually, no, <laughs> which is very unusual, I suppose. I, I had a real regular childhood, but I did live on a farm. I was very connected with nature and animals and art and read a lot. And so maybe there was internal development going on, but nothing, you know, woo-woo. And so so my story is mainly that anybody can do it, because if I could do it, you know, anybody can. And, And that made me really see that intuition and all of these higher abilities are quite normal. And that when you put your attention on them, they start to develop. Well, that really is good news for the rest of us, isn't it? You know, it is. And I just have, since I started opening up and working with intuition, and then I started having phenomena, wild, you know, precognitive dreams and visionary things happening. And it's like all my abilities just started opening at a certain point like it was timed or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then I started examining life and looking, what's going on? What's going on on the surface and then what's under the surface that matches that? And where is the energy going? So that got me going into the whole field of transformation and, mm-hmm. and 
wondering, you know, what is going on really here? Something. And then looking at what transformation might be all about. And um, I'm still fascinated with it. Do you believe that our evolution as a species is accelerating at this time? Oh, of course. I mean, that's the whole, mainly the premise of most of my books is that you know, I'm not sure why, but it, it could be, I've dreamed it, that it was a kind of a cosmic event that was affecting our system, our solar system. Um, I don't know, but it certainly is true that the vibration of the Earth actually is increasing. But I think that the consciousness is increasing also in its frequency. So that this acceleration on the planet has been going on a really long time, you know, the Mayans have tracked it for, what is it, 64 billion years or something. And, but as that happens, it causes the body to change its frequency vibration. And, of course, the emotions and the mind also, they come right along with it. And at a certain point, the acceleration is making us vibrate so fast that the old way of thinking, our old perception just doesn't function well anymore. And that's what this new book I wrote is all about. Mm -hmm. You talk about the intuition age. You know, I... It was interesting when I got to the final page of your book. Thank you so much for writing a 300-page book. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Uh, um, Anyway, your, your, um, your, your fellows upstairs say... We have spent time explaining the stages of transforming from old perception to the new consciousness of the intuition age. And though it may seem like it will take years, it can truly occur in an instant. So first of all, thank you for mentioning the new consciousness. Uh, Thank them. And tell us, what is this intuition age? It's my term. Um, I just, it seemed like a logical term, but we've been, you know, moving from the industrial age and into the information age. And really that was an acceleration from the physical world to the mental world. And now that mental focus is speeding up so much that we just can't process all the data. You know, it's, and, and in a way, when you look at the way we're learning and thinking, it is a very linear way. We're processing bits and bytes of data in, you know, a kind of a cause and effect process. And there's just too much to try to understand it that way. It's too slow. And I've been feeling a long time that there was going to be this crescendo where we built up to a point where we just can't function anymore this way. And then it's going to just break through. So into what, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and into a different way of processing information, a different way of knowing, a different way of understanding, a different way of seeing who we are as beings, as, as humans. And that seemed to me that it was going to be moving into the spiritual realm as a way of seeing ourselves now, finally, a higher frequency. And mm-hmm. the main way of knowing there is intuition, direct knowing, um, telepathy, all these things that are in the present moment are, are going to be the hallmarks of this new time period, this new phase. So to me, intuition is a simple way to describe that. It's not another kind of mental 
you know, it's not, some people call it the conceptual age or something. That's, a, that's too mental again, you know. It's not that. It's beyond mm-hmm. that. You know, yeah, so, you, you yeah. do kind of tie it to the left brain, right brain dichotomy. You know what you reminded me of when you were describing this kind of holistic uh, taking the whole picture in? Um, when my son was training as a, a jet pilot, um, he was describing a process when you start training, you have to learn everything sort of linearly. But when you're piloting a jet plane, you do not have the time to actually go through all the discrete steps. So you have to internalize it to the extent that it becomes instinctive. And you, you kind of take in the whole gestalt and um, otherwise you, you would not be able to fly. So this is, this is what um, I was fascinated by, your distinction between the right brain processing and the left brain processing. Mm-hmm. So um, let's bring our readers up to speed on this, our listeners. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Well, I think you're, what you're describing is really accurate, that there's a new way of understanding things that's totally in the moment, and it integrates everything from body knowing and instinct to, you know, everything all at once. It's, I call it in the book direct knowing. And it's, I'd say, even more, more than intuition in a way, because it involves this pure body sensitivity and almost cellular sensitivity and even the, the idea that your aura or the field around you of consciousness and energy is aware you know, mm. that there's a whole bigger brain that we have that we're going to shift into that's an amalgamation of many other discrete parts. It's a little like the way samurais are trained. You know, it's you don't stop the mind anywhere. You don't land on the enemy's sword or it, they get you. You know, the, it would stop the flow. You have to stay in it totally and not let the mind, the left brain basically go in and and try to compartmentalize anything. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. The, the big shift I see is that, you know, and this is huge, that our, especially Western culture, is very sort of inculcated into left brain dominance. So everything is oriented toward whether it can be proven, if it's scientific, it, if it's um, repeatable, you know, and linear and cause and effect and logical. And that's great, you know, but it, it's slow. Cause and effect, you one, two, three, four, five, and then finally you get a result. The new way is that the acceleration is causing us to go totally into the present moment. Everything's happening so lickety-split that it doesn't take much time for things to occur between the non-physical world of the imagination and then the physical world of form. In other words, things are dropping into form very quickly. You think a thought, it happens. You gossip about somebody, they hear about it. You know, you, mm-hmm. you run a stoplight, and then 10 minutes later, somebody else runs a stoplight in front of you. You know, it, it's like immediate. And that means that, you know, the way we organize our reality is changing. So you, we're getting out of the left brain as the big boss and starting to move more toward right brain perception. 
And that's very different because it's not trackable, you know, and it doesn't have language. Language is left brain. Right brain is direct immersion into the flow, into direct experience. You know everything pretty much at the same time. Everything's interconnected. It's much more sort of spiraling around and interconnecting. All these little points are interconnected with each other immediately. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's very confusing to the left brain. And, and the left brain is afraid of it. And yet when you get into right brain perception, it's so smooth. And of course, all our creation comes from there. And I think it's where the soul talks to us. It's in the moment with us there, and we can feel it. We can feel spirit. Then we can shift to the left brain to do something with it. Right? You know, we can make it conscious. We can act on it. We can, you know, work with it in this physical world. But as soon as we do something and create a, uh, you know, final product, then we should let go and shift back to the right brain again to see if there's anything more or if it wants to be revised or just let go of it and new something new wants to come in. And so we get in a rhythm of rocking back and forth, you know, and not just using one side of the brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how do you distinguish between um, the the sort of uh, holistic perception? Actually, it's not, not distinguish, but um, what is the relationship between perception and what you put your attention on? I think of attention as the focusing device of perception in general. Perception to me is the whole idea that we can be conscious of things. Mm-hmm. Attention is when you focus your energy and, and consciousness, which is to me is one thing, and I, in the book I use it hyphenated, consciousness and energy. Um, when you focus it like either, it's kind of like a, a flashlight that has a very wide beam on one end and a microscope on the other. You know, you can go a huge range of, of various focal lengths with your attention. You can make it soft, you can make it very laser-like, and you can vary it anytime you want between the scopes that you take in. But it is that very thing that, that we do that makes reality what it is in that moment. So if you focus very tightly on, you know, writing a sentence, that's your reality in that moment. If you open up and meditate or look at cosmology, then that's your reality. And it's like a big ball expanding and contracting. So that, you know, attention is the most powerful thing. And everything in our society is almost tailor-made to distract us. To- <laughs> That's right. That's why I think we're getting to the end of the information age, because we're getting so overwhelmed with trying to focus and, and keep paying attention on so much discrete data, you know, that we're just going totally into, well, you know, attention deficit, um, you know, distraction problems, you know, people putting themselves in dangerous situations because they, they're not using a wide enough, open enough attention, mm-hmm. you know, texting while driving, <laughs> you know, yeah. things like yeah. that. Um, and so 
that narrow focus of attention causes something that, you know, we call it attention blindness, where one, when you focus on one thing, you miss others. But when you open your attention to a wider scope and a softer kind of awareness, you can take in more things all at once, just like your son is doing in the, the cockpit of the jet plane. Then the attention, it comes in all through your body, and you register it without knowing how you register it. You know, it's not mm-hmm. so linear then. Yeah, it was interesting. You gave uh, the example of someone um, being able to read through his fingertips while blindfolded. Yes. Yeah. And uh, th- there, there are many different ways of knowing. So uh, you, you say that this is really a, um, a time for us to move into the ability of direct knowing. Now, you talk about the concept of home frequency. It's kind of the place where you root yourself. Tell us what that is and how do you find it? Yes. Well, that relates more to my second book, Frequency, where we're talking about how, because of the acceleration, we're realizing that we're beings that are made of energy and that we're living in a sea of energy, you know, and there are frequencies everywhere, and it's all about vibration. So that each person vibrates at their own level, their own frequency. And we have a tendency to look outside ourselves for agreement or meaning, and very tribal-like, you know, we tend to vibrate at, at the same frequency as what we're near. So you meet another person and you'll find yourself going onto the same wavelength or finding, you know, kind of a rapport. You go into a house and you'll feel good or not good depending on, on what it looks like or feels like. And it may make you feel bad in a, in a dark house, let's say, you know, and you're, you lower your vibration then inadvertently to match that, that external vibration. That's a bad habit that we have, and it it happens because we're unconscious, I think. But when you center inside your own self, you'll feel what, what I call the home frequency, which to me is just the vibration of your own soul in your body. So it's your core truth, but it has an emotional feel. It has a tactile feel. It can feel, you know, you can identify it by finding you know, your best times, times when you really liked yourself and you were happy being yourself. And like a little child, and when they're full of themselves and playing and totally unselfconscious, they're in their home frequency. Mm-hmm. And you see light coming out of people's eyes, you know, that's the home frequency. And, and it's there when you're a baby and it's there when you're an old person. It's, it's constant, you know. So it is the thing that when you center, you can sort of strike the tuning fork of your own home frequency like it's a tone and let it resonate through your body and through your emotions and your mind and your aura even the field around you and then it saturates your reality and your life will start to change and for the better when you hold your own energy rather than matching everybody else's does that make sense yeah, um, I, you did mention that this is the third book in a trilogy, but you do give the sort of uh, core um, 
uh, knowledge from your earlier books, you yes. you weave it through this book, so it really is a freestanding book. And and I, abs- it, I was writing this that it was very hard to separate the ideas from each other in a linear fashion. It yeah. was like I was getting into that whole unified state, and everything started relating to everything else. Mm-hmm. Okay, I forgive your three hundred pages. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you talk about the flow, getting into the flow, and and we're we're so often stuck, and um, we need to open up. Tell us about. Uh, I, I might I might add that throughout the book you have these wonderful little exercises that also kind of diverted me, and so it took me twice as long to read through the book. Um, thank you for that, too. Um, and uh, in fact, you know, I was arm-wrestling my husband over this book. Every time I went to pick it up again, I had to go and retrieve it from his desk. Oh, that's funny. My husband is a hypnotherapist, uh-huh. and he found the the visualizations in here very useful, and he's already been trying them out on his, his clients. Oh, that's great. I always try to create exercises that are tactile as well as visual, you know, that you can feel it in your body, because I think a lot of the information we have needs to drop into the physical in order for us to really get it all the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I try to make things, you know, work on every level. But, yeah, I want people to practice. I want them to be able to feel it, not just be intellectual about it, you know, but be practical and be able to integrate some of these things. Well, I would agree that this is a very, very practical book, you know, as as practical as um, one might consider doing telekinesis and... (laughs) No, it's a challenge to to be the translator of some of these concepts into something that's very down-to-earth. Okay, well, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. People, <laughs> stay tuned. Um, okay, what do you mean by transparency and oh, the diamond okay. light? Do you want I like to talk that. about flow or transparency? Well, or both? Both, of course. Okay. Um, well, I think transparency is an idea that, let me say that I think we're all already enlightened. We're all it's like an ice, a reverse iceberg. You know, most of us is in the spiritual realm. And we, have, we dip down into this physical realm with like the tip of the iceberg, and we have this illusion that this is all there is. But we already know who we are at that higher level and how things work in the spiritual realm and how great it is and how easy and wonderful and all that. But we have forgotten. It's like we've, you know, gotten into hypnosis ourselves here. So transparency to me is simply a matter of removing the clutter of, you know, the erroneous ideas we hold about what the physical plane is all about and how it's all a terrible thing and we're suffering here and, you know, the shoulds and the yes buts and the we can't do this ever and all the negative thinking. Um, that When you start transforming that kind of thinking, almost like dissolving it back into pure energy, and then allow the spiritual principles to just function simply, and they will when you get the other stuff out of the way. Mm-hmm. Then it's like the soul can come through the body. It can make the body be, you know, the, the replica of its own inner harmony. 
And I think that it's not such a hard thing. We don't, we're not striving to climb the mountain. I think we're just bit by bit removing the excess clothing, layers of clothing we have on, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> just getting down to a comfortable level. Yeah. And I, so I think of it like static in the system, getting to a yes. clear signal. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's, it, that means often silence, periods of quiet, um, getting, you know, simple, making a lot more kind of simple way of understanding everything. And even, you know, you might say the clutter in your house is symbolic of the clutter in your mind. Mm-hmm. There are, are places we need where it's just very plain, you know, and you can be simple. But right. I think that that act of, of removing clutter and allowing yourself to be transparent so that the soul can just flow through and that you trust every thought that comes and you, you notice what you notice and you realize there's a reason for that, that I'm noticing this particular thing right now, and then you get why, and then you move on to the next thing, and it's just this constant unfolding. But when you do that, you do get in touch with the flow. You know, that flow is what's coming from the soul into the physical world. And then what's moving from the physical world back into the non-physical. You know, we always think of flow in a very linear way, like we're moving forward into some new future reality, you know, that's on a line ahead of us. Like we're on a sine wave and it's rolling like a magic carpet or something going forward. But really the flow is this, it's more like physics, you know, where we have the particle and then the wave. We're in the physical world, then we rock out to the non-physical and the imaginal realm. Then the imaginations come back down into the physical and take shape. And then we let go of them and take our attention out of it and we go back to the other world. And it's constant. Mm. And it happens in very short, tiny, tiny cycles, like milliseconds and, and, and long cycles where you have a long period of manifesting and creating a certain kind of lifestyle or job and then you're done with that and you let it go and you go into you know being and then create a new one you know so it's but it's a constant process in life and that flow then you can stop that flow by you know at either end of the that cycle you know in other words you're in a cycle where you've had a certain kind of job and it's time for you to move on to a new level of creativity and you don't want to let go of it and you resist, you hang on. So you stop the flow and then that causes snags in every possible area of your life and body. You know, I'm sure you've experienced that, I have. <laughs> and, um, and yet if you just trust that it's that you're finished with something and it was all well and good and didn't I have a good time and this is wonderful and now I'm starting to think about these new things. Oh, this will be fun. And you just stay in that flow and you embrace it, you go with it and it, lo and behold, it happens magically. You know? So is the flow always for the highest and greatest good? I think so. I think it's all about evolution. Mm-hmm. If you're blocked and if you've stopped the flow, then when it starts to move forward, it's like breaking through a dam. And, you know, the energies have been dammed up. And, of course, it'll explode out. Mm -hmm. 
So we think it's negative, but really it's just that you didn't stay in alignment with the signs of the change in the earlier parts of that process and went into resistance and fear until you couldn't hold it back anymore. You know, you can only, you can stall so long, right? And then, then the, it's going to do what it wants anyway. It's like life not being denied, like, right. like weeds bursting through concrete. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, the earth is changing its vibration and we are made of earth. It's like we can't say we're, we're not going to change when it's inside of us that it's changing anyway. And I think, you know, if we resist it and stay locked up in the left brain and stuck in concepts or beliefs or fears or habits, then either you'll have an accident that'll crack your energy field open or some kind of surgery, which also seems to do the same thing, to change the energy body and open it up, or, you know, an illness or, um, you know, if mm. it's really severe, you might die. And come back again and try, try it another time. <laughs> you know. Let's talk about the collective self. You had a great description um, on innovation and how we can sort of crowdsource solutions from the uh, universal mind. Wouldn't that be a great way to do things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I think that, first of all, we need to realize that and this is part of the new perception, it comes as a byproduct of it, that you start to understand that you are really a big field of energy. You're not, you're, you have a scope, but you can expand that scope forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and include more and more and more and more and more into your you know, reality. And when you do that, you realize that all the other beings are in your reality with you. They're inside you. And then if they were doing the same thing, you'd be inside them. So that we're mutually containing each other in a very large reality. That's a collective consciousness, a collective energy and consciousness. And it's a huge field which contains a huge amount of knowledge and experience. Hmm. So when you expand yourself out to you know, encompass that amount of yourself, you start to understand other people very well because they're, they're part of you and you start to have compassion for them. And then when you need something, you understand that the very need that you have is coming from everyone. They want you to need that so that you'll do that thing so that you'll give it to them. You'll create it and give it back to the field. So they're helping you have the idea in the first place, but you're part of that group, so you're helping yourself have the idea as well. You're not separate. And then you say, oh, this is perfect for me. I'd love to do this. You take it on, you do it, and they help you while you're doing it by giving you anything you need. And then you give it back graciously, and everyone benefits. Mm. And when you give what you have to give, you're giving someone else the thing they need to do what they need to do. It's so interconnected. And so what happens then with the, any creative process is that you can, start, you can just relate to the beings all the time. Some of them are in bodies. Some of them are not in bodies. But they're everywhere, and you're connected telepathically with them in the non-physical worlds. 
So all you have to do is say, okay, everybody, I'm, I'm going to, you know, create a new job or I'm going to move to a new house and I would love to have it be very supportive and be on my wavelength and I want to have that so I can give back more to, the, to everyone. So let's create it. So help me set up the synchronicities and the connections with people. And I'll notice and do my part. And I think that's the way it works in the beginning. You have to have that way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That we are absolutely connected and that everyone wants you to win so that they'll win. There is no jealousy. There is no you know, negative betrayals and things like that in, in the spirit world. It doesn't work that way. It's inefficient. Well, I think that probably relates back to the notion of flow. It's when you start getting negative, um, you, you, dam, you put a dam into the... You stop the flow. Yeah. And then you, you actually are not serving your brothers and sisters because they can't get what they need. That's why I said all these concepts start relating to each other. My mind, when I was writing this, was, you know, I was like, whoa, where do I separate these things out? Um, yeah. Um, it was interesting. You said all expanded powers are a collaboration between you and the field. So even, even um, it, it, it's this two-way street. It's this reciprocal relationship. Absolutely. And it's not even separated in time. You know, mm. it's like it's... Whenever you need something, you can assume that you're thinking of it, but somebody is helping you think of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. so then it could be carried to the extent that this could become more of a formalized or um, way of doing things in the physical world, where not only I sit down to write my book and I call on, I call them the writers in the sky, you know, and say, okay, everybody, let's write this book. <laughs> Help me think of these ideas, you know? And sometimes it happens, like in this book, Many things came through that I didn't have on my mind at all when mm-hmm. I started, that I didn't even know about. Um, and you, have this, you have this vision of the new human. Mm-hmm. So what does the new human look like, and how did you uh, achieve this vision? Well, I think that the new human, we're going to be more transparent. And I don't mean see through your body um, but more light will seem like it's coming out of people. Um, there will be a sense of safety with people. Like, you know, I always picture the Dalai Lama, you know, and all that, that wonderful light that comes out of him and how sweet he is and childlike and wise and, you know, but safe. You're safe with him, you know. And I think that when you get people who are fairly enlightened, they like to have fun and they're serious about the important things, but not heavy. So there's a lightness about the new kind of person. There's also a sense of the ease of, ha- of knowing anything. Whatever you need to know, it comes to you. You'll know it, you'll understand it, and not after hundreds of years of study necessarily, although that could still be a fun process to do, but often what you need to know just comes in the moment when you need it. And it's very joyful that way because things have a flow and they have ease. And, um, and it's very joyful to help other people. So service 
and freedom go hand in hand. Why would you want to be free if other people can't enjoy the freedom with you? So you want to help them, and that's part of what, what makes you feel the soul. You know, mm -hmm. so it's that kind of, um, what would you call it, philosophy or something that I think we'll have, but also we'll be at a, such a high frequency of energy that things like telepathy will be very normal. You'll just put your attention on someone, whether they're with you physically or not, feel into them, make a connection just with attention, and think your thought to them, and they'll get it right away. And they'll know, they'll see a picture of you or whatever, and they'll understand, oh, Penny's thinking about me. Well, there are people now who can do those. Do you think that we're coming full circle and just recovering abilities that we had in the past, or are we developing completely new abilities that we never had at a spe as a species? I think it depends how far back in the past we go, because I think I'm one of those who believes that, that there were very high-level beings on the planet at one time. And I think we're going back into the memory of those kind of abilities, not, you know, Neanderthal and, you know, early on, um, you know, farmer types mm -hmm. that with, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I think shamanism and working with ceremony is great, but it's slow and it's going to be eclipsed by, you know, just direct connection with beings and forces that will allow things to occur very quickly. Well, speaking of quickly, a lot of people who have had near-death experiences come back with a, you know, being blown wide open in terms of their perceptual abilities. Um, how, do you, how does that work? How do you think that works? I think it's like having a, a visit to, you know, your true self, to the, the pure land, as Buddhists would say, the, where you go there and you suddenly, because your left brain is not guarding you, it's not operational, and you have a, a direct experience, direct knowing of what it's like in your home place. And it's so indelible because it's so real that it's almost like it just reorganizes your consciousness and all the false concepts you've been holding. You can't hold them anymore. You don't believe in them anymore. And then you come back into your body and you bring that knowledge back with you. And often then you have to change a lot of the, the stuff of your life and your personality because you want to be more in harmony with the higher thing, you know? So that's what, the way I think it works. Accidents, other things can help do that as well. Mm -hmm. Shocks to the system. Yeah. The other thing I've been noticing is people who get to the lowest point in their lives where they just um, are at that point where they don't want to go on and they surrender, they often get these breakthroughs as well. That's so, right. And it's all left brain. You see, it's getting out of the all the negative declarative statements that the left brain loves to make um, and, you know and of course as it feels the power changing from its own dominance ego ego dominance to the right brain it has ego death 
and that's a process we all have to go through is the the surrender of power from the left brain to the right brain and when that starts happening the the most excruciating um, death throes of the the left brain is will be that not only is the ego dying but it makes you think you're dying because you've identified with the ego and then people will often commit suicide you know unfortunately mm-hmm. if they can't get out of that trap we, we just have to stop identifying with the left brain that's not who we are it's just a tiny piece of what we know how to do I noticed that you actually suggest that we practice dying. How do we do that? (laughs) The last chapter is practice pretend dying. And um, my thought here is that as we, we work on conscious transformation while we're alive, we're basically going through all the stages that we used to go through when we died. That, you know, letting go of things, becoming transparent, um, you know, opening into spirit, merging the non-physical with the physical realms and all these things. So that if we can die consciously while we're alive, you know, in other words, transform, then the whole fear of death is going to go away. And we'll find, you know, maybe, you know, we won't even die. Maybe we'll ascend or maybe we'll be able to rock back and forth between having a body and not having a body, having a body, not having a body and who knows what may be able to happen. And so I think it's important to not be afraid of the idea of death, but to think mm-hmm. of it as that there actually is no death, that we have um, you know, consciousness of the physical world and consciousness of the non-physical world. And then we have unconsciousness, to me, is death. Mm-hmm. Ego is death. But consciousness goes throughout everything and when you identify with that you're you know you're alive Hmm. what would you say would be the most important skill we need to develop to navigate this new world that's evolving boy Uh, (laughs) i i think Trusting your own soul, and I call it working with your inner perceiver, where you, throughout the day, you, you watch your experience and you notice what you're noticing. You start checking in with yourself a lot, saying, oh, what do I already know about this situation, or um, why am I noticing this? What's important about this? You know, what am I showing myself? And you start to make a real good relationship with that inner part of your own consciousness, which I think really is the soul coming through and affecting the mind. And you trust it and you listen to it. That way you start to really open your intuition and you stay in a flow with things. And that helps you then. The next thing I would say that it's important is to understand the stages of the transformation process, which I've outlined in both Frequency and this book, um, so that you understand there is a process underway, that it does, you know, have stages, and it will end up somewhere very good. <laughs> you know, it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. But the, the early stages, especially if you're unconscious about what's going on with you, can feel very disturbing. But yeah. if you're conscious about it, then you can 
enter into that phase willingly and get the most from it and and it will shift very quickly and, and very effortlessly for you and, and you won't have the um, snags and the you know struggle that you have when you resist the flow do you have a favorite visualization yeah my I think my favorite visualization is the one with the diamond light body and you imagine your diamond light self and, and it's shaped just like you except it has no blockages it's just totally clear glossy light and you imagine that person standing behind you with their hands on your shoulders and you start to attune to that resonance of that pure clear light and then you let that that being step inside you and sit down inside you or, or match up with you where every part of them matches with every part of you like the diamond light brain goes into your physical brain and the diamond light heart goes into your physical heart and the diamond light you know feet go into your physical feet and that energy body carries the wisdom of your soul the the knowledge of your own truth and then you let it take over and assert its natural vibration and you surrender into it and just fall into it until pretty soon you realize oh wait a minute I am this diamond light self this is me this is the real me and here I am now I'm in my body and you can sit there for a while and just let that light work on you to dissolve shadows or, you know, um, open up new brain tracks or whatever wants to happen. And, you know, when you do that before a meeting or before you need to think about something, you really align yourself to your home frequency. And it's such a tactile, tangible thing to do that I find it's very powerful. Mm. I have it actually recorded. It's on my website if anybody wants to download it. It's on the, um, the home page of my website under Frequency. And would you like to share with us the website? My website is just my name, pennypierce.com. Ah, but we know that that's not straightforward. Let's spell it out. <laughs> yes, my, both of my names are odd. My first name is P-E-N-N-E-Y, and then Pierce is P-E-I-R-C-E. So PennyPierce.com. So what are you working on now, Penny? I am just starting, you know, the book just got released yesterday. So it's just coming out now, and there will be a lot of travel and talking and promotion on that. But also I'm moving. <laughs> I'm part of the ones that are getting thrust into the unknown. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to go to the East Coast for a while and drive across the country sometime this summer. So I'm in the middle of letting go of my old life in many ways. I think there's a lot of that around. Uh, Every, it is. A lot of people I talk to are either, they're, they have mobility issues is what I'm calling it now. It's either you're suddenly moving and having to change or there are these people with surgeries on their knees or they can't move and they're, they're sort of out, of out of work or paralyzed in some way, but still looking at the concept of freedom and, and moving on into the next period of the life and what's that going to look like. Because I think we're being sort of in the doorway to the new reality and, and wanting to step into it. But it does mean, you know, emptying out the old one a lot of ways and reinventing yourself um, that's so it's exciting it's 
you know, and, and it, it doesn't have to be scary if you stay in the flow, you know, that's what, yeah. it's very funny. It's, um, I feel I'm re- being restricted to the present moment. I can't see a thing ahead for myself. I can see it for other people, but not for myself. It, that, that's so frequently the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do you see coming for us as a species or as a country? Take your pick. Yeah, I, my vision is that things are very positive, that I think there's going to be two waves of things happening. One is that people who are really ready are going to move on into the new reality and the new perception um, fairly quickly. And then that wave of people will start to have a kind of a, I call it the convening, where the, the frequencies are going to be matching so much that they'll, they'll start finding each other. They'll start showing up in each other's realities and realizing that there are projects that want to be done, that there's work in creating, you know, for the new reality that wants mm-hmm. to be done, and it's going to start happening. Lots and lots of innovation. Um, on the and it's going to be collaborative, isn't it? Collaborative innovation, yes. And even involving kids, and I see, I've seen this for many years, is that there would be children and teenagers and, that are going to work with teams in, with adults mm. and even with each other to you know, bring through technologies and all kinds of things that they know about from their soul group. Um, so, so I see that happening on this kind of upswing at the same time it feels like the people who are very, very rooted in conservative values or fear, who are trying to protect old systems that are really antiquated at this point, they're getting, they're way too slow, they're not producing results, those people are going to dig in, have tremendous, you know, processes of ego death and difficulties, and, uh, you know, be in a kind of a, conflict-ridden war mentality mm. and and somehow i haven't seen how but it feels like that kind of thinking will self-destruct it's going to do itself in without hurting the other people i feel like there's a change in the balance of power happening on the planet where those of us who are choosing the new reality we're just choosing it and we're moving into it and no time to spare. It's all in the present moment anyway, so might as well do it right now. Well, the other people are still in this past reality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think uh, if we can educate people more, if we can each be a thought leader, you know, and, and radiate and understand these principles, then it's going to be very helpful. Because okay, people. There's, we have our work cut out for us. Yes, we do. <laughs> we really do. Penny Pierce, author of Leap of Perception. Penny, thank you so much for joining oh, us today. Oh, thank you, Miriam. It was a pleasure. Next week, we have another interesting guest, Paul Chappelle. He'll be talking about his book, The Art of Waging Peace, A Strategic Approach to Improving Our Lives and the World. You can check it out along with thousands of other books, videos, reviews, and interviews on our website, ncreview.com. And now we're going to conclude the show with our track of the week from members of the Positive Music Association.
Here is Time for Joy by Sue Hodge from Edmonton, Alberta. It's time for joy It's time for joy Keep the home fires burning Come to the hearth in prayer Heart to heart I hear what I hear Keep my ear to the ground It's time for joy So many roads So many choices So many souls So many voices When it's hard to listen When it's hard to hear I just sit myself down And I find you near It's time for joy It's time for joy Let the past fall away With the mountains behind me My heart reaches out Like a golden prairie The sun rises high Before moving on And then the ground reaches out And gathers it home Keep the home fires burning Come to the hearth in prayer Heart to heart I hear what I hear Keep my ear to the ground Tend to the soil Nourish my soul It's time for joy It's time for joy It's time for joy It's time for joy it's time for joy. 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 The multi talented Sue Hodge and Time for Joy. Sue's website is soundtouch.ca. And the PMA's website is positivemusicassociation.com. Well, that's it for this week. Until next week, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.